See, I could do a mask normally. I can't do a mask when you got a mic on. It just gets weird. Merry Christmas, everybody. It is so good to be with you this evening, and uh, I know that it has been a year, hasn't it? I know, I know, and I want to just tell you how full my heart is as I looked and as I got to greet many of you as you were coming in. It was just such a joy to see you, such a joy to uh, fist bump many of you, handshake some of you, hug a couple of you, uh, depending on where you were, and, and I just want to tell you uh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us tonight here um, in the theater. And for those of you who are jumping in online with us right now, listen, I, I thank you. I know for many of you, this is not how you anticipated being at Christmas Eve, but you're with us. And I just want to say thank you so much for joining us tonight. I hope that for you as well as for those who are here in person, my hope for you is the same as it is for every single one of us. And that is simply, no matter where you are in your faith today, I hope and I pray that you're able to take one step towards Jesus because that's what we're all about here. That's what we're all about. Tonight we close out our series that we've been working through that's simply titled, Not What I Wanted. This is our Advent series. And, and as we close this out together, I thought it would be fun to start with two questions to see how honest we are together. Could we do that? You don't have anything to be scared of yet, I promise, okay? Here's, if you're watching online, do me a favor. Go ahead and get your hand emojis ready. You're going to want to have those ready because we'll be, we'll be playing a little bit, okay? My first question is this. How many people here have ever received a knockoff gift? And you knew it was not exactly what you asked for, but it was almost like it. Any knockoff, you've received knockoff gifts, nice and high. Maybe we could turn the lights up just a little bit in so you can look around and see everybody else who's gotten those knockoff gifts. Okay, cool. Great, great, great. Um, here's our second one. Are you ready? Oh, this is perfect. I love this. Um, second one. How many of you have given a knockoff gift knowing they wanted something else? Any, any givers of knockoff gifts? Now, you can't look at that person and think, did they give me the gift? No, 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 okay. Like, knockoff gifts, I got to tell you, knockoff gifts crack me up. And as someone who, as I was growing up, my parents, we frequented New York City a ton. I loved seeing street-side knockoff gifts. They were my favorite. Um, and, and still, as an adult, it cracks me up to see the gifts and to see the knockoff toys uh, that we can give people. Here's a couple of my favorites right now. How many of you are Toy Story fans? Okay, for you Toy Story fans, um, how about this jacked picture of Woody we've got here? Check Woody out right here. I mean, if Woody, this is Toy Story 4, I guess, if he had worked out in Toy Story 1 to get to this place, Buzz Lightyear would not have taken over the bedroom, right? He could have taken care of that right away. But I look at this, I'm like, that's not Woody from Toy Story. Um, anybody ever ask for a Game Boy growing up? A Game Boy? Okay, cool. You just dated yourself. Great. Perfect. Um, my hope is that you did not get one of these knockoffs. The Game Child. The Game Child. I, I mean, come on. There's only one button. How are you supposed to put the Contra code in? You can't. You're lost. And if you miss that, it's because you're not old enough, okay? This next knockoff, it, it actually makes me sad for both kids and for adults um, this is the Minecraft Mindspace zombie knockoff. I mean, listen, 
If you're a kid and you're looking at this, you know that doesn't look like the zombie in your games. And if you're an adult, um, maybe this is what Tom, one of your top eight friends on MySpace, looks like now. I mean, I don't know what they were trying to accomplish here, but it's not the real thing. Any superhero fans? Okay, great, superhero fans. Uh, I, I will confess to you, I considered getting this next gift for Pastor Will because he's such a huge fan. This is our, um, our, our Superman. <laughs> I did hold back when I noticed the S was backwards, and I also remembered Pastor Will isn't a huge fan of soups to begin with. I mean, I don't know what his superpower is. Maybe it's, you know, salt for bland bowls. I, I don't know. But finally, the knockoff toy that I think for me personally would have broken my heart to receive is this, the new style ninja tortoise. The new style ninja tortoise. This hurts for so many reasons. When you look at this first, you got Michelangelo in the back. Second, he's, he's got red bandana. Who is that? That's Raphael. So already this doesn't make sense to me. Then it's included with a bow staff. That's Donatello's, and he's got this smirk on his face that thinks he knows better. That's Leonardo. Let me tell you, this is not the Ninja Turtle I wanted. You can't just smash it all in together. And that S that he's got, I like that they have to, like, this is not a turtle. This is a tortoise, and they need you to know that. But he's got that belt with the S on it. And I'm like, what? Is he on Team Splinter? This toy confuses me on all levels, and I wouldn't know what to do with it. But could you imagine having your heart set on any of the real versions of these toys and you open up on Christmas the knockoff? You have your heart set. And listen, I'm sure we could all fake it well and receive it well, right? Oh, this is just what I wanted. Um, maybe some of you can't, but deep down, I know that we're all thinking the same thing. This is not exactly what I wanted. And if I'm being honest, I think tonight many of us are here in the theater and you're watching online and you have that same exact thought that has been present in your life and in our life. Many of us have been walking, especially the last two years, thinking, this is not what I wanted. This is not exactly what I wanted. And we find ourselves in the theme of Advent searching for hope. We're searching for hope, and there's got to be some light at the end of the tunnel, right? There has to be. We're searching for peace, and we're thinking, can't people just get along, please? We're chasing, and we're searching, and we're longing for the desire to be loved. Because so many right now feel unseen, you feel forgotten, and we are hurrying after joy and searching everywhere we can to try to find happiness. And we're trying to find happiness and joy in one relationship, one purchase, or one job change after the other. And each time that I think we all believe we have found this hope, this peace, this love, or this joy, even if that feeling lasts for a season, we are not as satisfied as we think that we should be. I wonder, though, if tonight that's simply because maybe we have settled on knockoff versions of hope, peace, love, and joy. It's not what we wanted because simply it's less than what we were designed for. You know, Advent is a season 
that I am so grateful for in the church calendar, a season where we reset, where we intentionally take our eyes and our hearts off the knockoff gifts that this world offers us, and we turn our attention, we turn our eyes to the perfect gift that God has given us through the person of Jesus Christ, because it is I believe that it is only through a relationship with him that we will experience true hope, peace, love, and joy. And I know that, honestly, it's not just my belief. This is God's hope for you and I as well. Did you know that? This has always been his hope for us. And I love that as, as a church, we've been continuing to look at the nation of Israel through this series and see that God had a design for this nation to show them the true nature of himself with all of these gifts. God had this desire, this hope for his people. And one of my favorite ways that he communicates it is through the prophet Isaiah through the prophet Isaiah. Now, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, this is more the first like two-thirds of the Bible that we use in our church. And what's great about this, if you haven't read it or you're not familiar with it, God has chosen a group of people and this group, this nation of Israel, and he has established them as his own people. And he says, these, these are my peeps. I'm, I'm gonna run with these guys. I'm gonna set them up in their promised land. And here's what I need you to do. I'm gonna give you some commands. And when you obey those commands and you begin to exercise Exercise what I'm telling you to do to bless people, to serve people, to love people, to honor me as the one and only God. When you continue to do this, you will be blessed and I will continue to bless you. But if you choose not to do that, I will not bless you. And so as they get rooted in the promised land, this nation does what I think most of us do when we settle. They begin to reject the commands that God has and they, they, they begin to dishonor him and honestly, they just start to settle for knockoffs everywhere. They do. Instead of worshiping their one and only true God, they settle and they begin to pray for, pray to knockoff idols, knockoff gods to bless them, to protect them. Instead of using the power and authority that God has given them to care for the poor, to love the outcast and those who are coming in, you know what they do? They settle for a knockoff version of power that simply it lives itself out through them becoming the oppressor, through them having and demonstrating injustice. And instead of trusting God to be their protector, instead of trusting God to give them wisdom, you know what they do? They settle for knockoff protection and they look to the nations around them. They settle for knockoff wisdom and search out the wisest people that they know and say, what would you do? Rejecting God. And, and so what God does is through Isaiah, he gives this nation a prophecy, a, a, um, an idea of how far that they have wandered and basically says to them in the first couple of chapters of Isaiah, the very people that you have trusted in, they're coming for you and they will destroy you. You are going to be done for how far you have disobeyed me. But I'm so grateful for the kindness of God that even with this prophecy, he lays in some hope for this nation. No one wants to receive that prophecy, but God's intention is always to build up this nation. And so it's, he sets up this beautiful vision for us of what his kingdom should and will look like. And we read about it in Isaiah chapter 11. It says this, starting in verse six, and you could follow along with me. 
in that day, and he's talking about this future kingdom, wolf and lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down and the, with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion, and the little child will lean on them all. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near a hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For as the water fills the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but this sounds like the type of kingdom I could live in, right? A nation... Um, for, for right there, for Israel, nations whose priorities have been completely backwards. God doesn't just say, well, you stink and you're done. He says, you're not getting it right. Let me cast a vision for what this should look like, for what this will look like. And, and what he does is instead he reveals how their current way of life is nothing but cheap knockoffs of this beautiful kingdom he wants to establish. Because in God's kingdom, can I tell you, there's complete unity. There is harmony. In God's kingdom, there is no destruction. There is no death. There is no suffering. In God's kingdom, enemies will be friends and neighbors. They will get along. In God's kingdom, there's no need to defend yourself. There's no need to have defenses because he is the ultimate protector and defender. I mean, this, this prophecy would have been known by all of the Jewish people, all of Israel, they would have known this and longed for this. I, I long for this. I believe that each of us would love this, wouldn't we? No more fighting, no more death, no more tears, no more pain. But come on, can we be real for a second? That is anything but the world we live in, right? This is anything but the world that we live in right now. And I believe that for centuries, humanity has been trying to do all we can to create a world that looks like only God's kingdom can. And we do it through knockoffs. We do it through knockoffs. And, and this is because we start in the wrong place and we think that we are the ones who can establish it, that we are the ones who can make this happen. But we can't. Thankfully, God has solved that problem. If you actually jump to the beginning of this prophecy, instead of looking at it in verse six, if you jump to verse one, we find out exactly how God intends to see this kingdom of his come. This may be familiar to many of you. It says this in Isaiah chapter 11, starting in verse one, out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him in the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance, nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word, and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He, he will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. What I love is that Isaiah says this, 
this coming king, this coming Messiah, the one who will establish this kingdom seven or eight hundred years before Jesus is ever born. Everyone would have known this. They would have longed for this person. A coming king who would be filled with the spirit of God who would have great wisdom and they wouldn't rely on anybody else. A coming Messiah who would not just love the, obey, the commands of God but obey them as well. That he would be impartial. How many of us long for an impartial judge, a ruler, a governor, someone to oversee us who is impartial. We want this. We long for this. That he would be uninfluenced by other people's opinions. That he would bring justice to the poor, to the exploited. That his words would carry weight, changing the course of the world in its strength and righteousness. In all of who God is, the wickedness would be destroyed. There's only one problem with this person. No one imagined he would arrive as a baby. No one imagined that, that, that this Savior, this Messiah, would come as a child. I mean, come on. We want this, this Messiah to come in looking so much different. I know this nation was waiting for a warrior in a, on a stallion, not a baby in a feeding trough. They were looking for someone with great wisdom and knowledge, not an infant who had to learn and couldn't speak. They wanted a man with power, with authority, not a child who was nursing and dependent on a woman to survive. When Isaiah said that out of the stump of David a shoot will grow, no one thought this Savior would be born as a human baby. No one took this literally to know that he would grow up like every single one of us. But can I tell you, this is exactly how God demonstrated his love for us by sending his only son, Jesus Christ, to be born to a virgin, to live a sinless life from the very first breath to his last on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin and for the sin of all humanity so that we could be in a relationship with God and part of this new kingdom. Let me tell you, Jesus' life was not pleasant, it wasn't pretty, but it is the truest demonstration of hope, of love, of joy, and of peace that you and I will ever, ever know. And God, he held nothing back when he gave us this gift of Jesus. There was no knockoff. And no knockoff will ever satisfy us that the world has to offer it will always be left wanting. It costs God everything. You know, in the kingdom of God through Jesus, hope looks a little bit different. Hope looks different because a knockoff hope is simply just wishful thinking. Knockoff hope is longing for things to go the way that we want them to go. Knockoff hope cannot handle pain and it cannot handle chaos. It tells us that if something is wrong now, it needs to be fixed immediately. Whereas hope found through Jesus... You know what that hope brings? It brings confidence. It brings confidence that God has been and will always be active in our life and in the world around us. And that no matter what comes our way, our hope is that it is redeemable. That's where our hope is found. Not in what we can produce and what we could do, but in what God has done and is doing. You know, in his kingdom, through Jesus, peace, peace looks different. 
Because knockoff peace, do you know what that does? Knockoff peace just tries to play nice. It just, it just puts up with people. That's what knockoff peace does. Knockoff peace has actually no room for conflict. When it comes, we create a false peace so that we could all just get along, whereas we hate the person that we are with. But peace found in Jesus, it's okay with conflict. Because peace found in Jesus' desire, the root of it is to bring restoration and reconciliation to the world of chaos and conflict inside us and to the world around us. And let me tell you, you need to know the giver of peace if you ever expect to bring peace and make peace. This is the gift that God offers. And in God's kingdom through Jesus, can I tell you that love looks different? In our world, knockoff love is conditional. You know that? It measures how much we give and what we get to see if we've won. Knockoff love is very selfish. We expect love to always feel good for some reason. But love, true love, found in Jesus, it is selfless and sacrificial. This kingdom love looks to the interests of others and it stands up against injustice. This is what love looks like. In the kingdom, through Jesus, joy looks different too. Knock off joy. This puts on a happy face. And it runs to be entertained. With one movie, one song, anything that we can fill our life with to avoid dealing with the pain that we have inside, Knock off joy. It, it comes and goes depending on what's happening in our life. And we're left empty. But joy found in Jesus, can I tell you what this brings? It's a constant. Joy in Jesus is a constant. It is a source of strength that cannot be shaken. It cannot be stolen. And this joy celebrates others. It builds them up instead of comparing us to them and us feeling less than they could be built up because this is what Jesus has done for us. Because we live in a world of knockoffs tonight. And the world has offered so many things that many of us are left just going, it's just not, it's not what I wanted. I thought this would be different. And I don't think many of us would settle for the new style ninja tortoise. I think we'd be frustrated if we got the game child. But we've all become comfortable settling for knockoff hope, knockoff peace, knockoff love, and knockoff joy. We've, we've become comfortable with it because it costs us less. We've become comfortable with it because there's no sacrifice on our side needed for those. And yet we're still left. It's not what I wanted. And I want to tell you tonight that settling on anything less than what God has given us through Jesus Christ will always leave us feeling empty. It may feel good for a season and we'll say that was a good season, but we know it doesn't sustain. And so tonight we have gathered to celebrate Jesus Christ. Not a knockoff Jesus, but the very Son of God who came to take away the sins of the world
to flip the world upside down with his teaching, to say no more hating, it's time to love. No more injustice, stand up against that. No more unforgiveness, it's time to forgive and I will start with you. If you're here with us tonight and you've been disappointed with knockoff after knockoff, I want to invite you to place your trust in the truest gift, the truest demonstration of love, hope, peace, and joy to place your life in the hands of Jesus because while it may not be easy, his life wasn't, while following his teachings, I'll be honest with you, it is hard. It's simple. It is hard. But it is worth every bit of energy we have because these gifts will never disappoint. If you're here tonight and and you have never placed your trust in Jesus, I just want to pause for a second and give you an opportunity to do that. And, and just pray a simple prayer that you can follow with me on. And there's nothing magic about this prayer. It's not like it's going to be found in the Bible anywhere. And, you know, in 2 James 2.15, you're like, oh, that's where Jimmy's praying that from. No, no, no. This is simply, sometimes it's hard to come up with our own words. And so if you're having trouble, I want to help you with that. And so if that's where you are today, would you just, could we just bow our heads together? If you would like to place your trust in Jesus, would you pray with me? Jesus, I confess to you that I have settled for knockoffs. I confess to you that I'm dissatisfied with life. Jesus, I need you to forgive my sin to change my heart, to show me what true love, true hope, true peace, and true joy look like. Jesus, help me learn, help me follow, and help me step towards you in all I do. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Now, if you're here tonight and you've prayed that prayer, do me a favor, grab a Connect card, drop it in there and say, hey, I prayed that prayer. We'd love to help walk with you to take steps. Um, If you came with someone who invited you and you prayed that prayer, don't fill out a card. Tell them so they could walk with you. And if that terrifies them, then come get us. We'll all walk together. That's what we do. And if you're here today and you have placed your trust in Jesus and accepted this gift to change your life like it has mine, Can I ask you to do me a favor tonight and tomorrow? Would you share this gift with the people who are around you? Not by yelling at them and telling them that they're wrong. Not by shoving the Bible down their throats. I am begging you to show the love of Jesus by serving, by honoring, by listening, by not starting the fight. You don't need to defend yourself because Jesus is your defender. Would you and I walk in such a humility that those around us who don't know Jesus would go, what the heck is different in your life? And at that point, they've asked and we can say the most absurd thing, Jesus has changed my life. And they can go, mm-hmm. But they can't deny it if they see it. So would you live this out? This is what we are called to do. And at Crossbridge, we have 
gotten into the beautiful habit to actually believe what the Bible says and do what it says. So we're commanded that anytime we come together to celebrate communion together, to celebrate the body and the blood of Christ. And tonight, if you're here, um, there was communion when you came in on the tables. And this tonight is for those of you, please, who have placed your trust in Jesus. Um, We come to celebrate his death, his resurrection. Tonight, we celebrate his incarnation. We do this together, but if you're here and and you have not placed your trust in Jesus and you're trying to figure out where you are in your relationship with him, please do me a favor. Don't take communion. Do not take communion. Don't feel guilty about it or weird about it or like, oh, someone's going to say something. No, they're not. No one cares. Believe me, you're fine. Just leave it at your chair. We'll pick it up later. It's easy. But we do this together tonight. And so I would ask, would you stand with me as we celebrate communion before we close in silent night together? If you would, would you open your communion, both parts of it? And if you're joining us online, feel free to have whatever things available that you have right now. It could be milk and cookies. I get it. This is about celebrating Jesus. At the Last Supper, Jesus holds up the bread and he says to his disciples, this is my body. When he says, this is my body, he's in the flesh saying it, which means he's been born. Tonight we celebrate Jesus Christ, born in the flesh. We celebrate the divine becoming like us. That he literally breathed like you and I. That's what this represents. And Jesus himself said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat this in remembrance of me. Would you break this? And would we eat together? And then he takes the cup and he holds up the cup and in the Passover meal, this is the cup of redemption to signify that this is to represent my blood and through the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, we have been redeemed. That because of his perfection, we've received this. And when we drink this together, we drink to celebrate that we live as redeemed people, not shamed people. We live as sons and daughters of God called to give all we have to those around us. Would you drink with me as we celebrate Jesus? God, I thank you. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you that we can celebrate together. That we are free enough to be gathered here. God, I thank you for the blessing that Kingsway is for us to gather here. I thank you for the blessing the internet is for us to gather there. That we are your family gathered together. That 2,000 years ago, you changed everything. You changed it all. So we celebrate you over and over and over. And every year we will celebrate you. Every day we will celebrate you. 
thank you so much for the gift of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As we close tonight, Pastor Will and Kayla are going to be singing um, Silent Night as we close our service this way every year. And what I'd like to encourage you to do is if you have your candles um, that are there is at any point in this song where you're experiencing a time of gratefulness, thankfulness, a moment when you can say, God, thanks for this. Would you light that? And we'll have the lights down and you'll begin to see it. And then when we're done singing, I'll come out to close us in prayer.